Hello, friends. This is episode 50 of the Spirituality for Ordinary People podcast. My name is Matt Bruff. I am an author and a pastor, and I'm just thrilled that you have decided to join me for today's episode. This marks my one-year anniversary of doing this podcast, and uh, yeah, I made it to 50 episodes, and these are kind of the full episodes. I actually did record a few kind of mini-episodes here and there, did a thing over Christmas as well, where there was sort of these daily reflections. So it's actually, in a way, been more than 50, but I counted the the 50 big episodes where there are interviews with uh, authors, with uh, musicians, artists, uh, just regular folk who are sharing about their uh, own spiritual life, how they stay connected to God, uh, what their life looks like in the church, outside the church, uh, and all kinds of things. So there's been such uh, great feedback over this last year, and also just um, I've been so privileged to be able to meet a whole bunch of people and talk to all these great people about uh, spirituality and just what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be uh, in a relationship with God, and then how to live that out in a regular day to day basis. Um, today on the podcast, uh, we're doing something a little different. I'm turning the tables. A friend of mine is going to be interviewing me. And uh, this was a great conversation, although the audio quality is not great. It's kind of funny. Um, 50 episodes in and uh, I, we ended up with, with some not great microphones. So the audio quality is not the best on this episode, which is kind of funny. Um, but I think it was a good uh, conversation. And uh, so my friend Ashley Boychuk joins me uh, for the conversation today where she interviews me and just asks me, uh, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. Um, so you're going to listen to that. And um and we just I had a really great time talking with Ashley. Uh, I wanted to let you know as well that uh, to celebrate the one year of podcasting, I had a giveaway on uh, the website, and that giveaway is done now. So we have a winner. So congratulations to Carrie, who won the 24 books. And those were books of uh, authors who had all been on this podcast over the last year. And I'm definitely, it was a great experience running that giveaway and just being able to give that away to somebody and just seeing the excitement there. Um, so that's lots of fun. Carrie, you can expect your books coming soon. Uh, and I'll definitely be doing something else like that in the future. But in keeping with the spirit of giving, uh, I've decided actually to give away one of my books to anyone who wants it. So uh, I'm going to give away the ebook. Can't give away the paperbacks, but. Um, the ebook of Let God Be Present, which is a book that I wrote uh, just over a year ago. Uh, it came out came out last May, May of 2017. And uh, so I, I decided I'm just going to give that to anybody who uh, wants it, who comes on to the website and just signs up to receive that free ebook. So uh, you may have already gotten it. Um, but if you haven't, you can head over to spiritualityforordinarypeople.com and there should be a link there or a box there to fill out where you can just put in your email and then the instructions get sent to you as to how you get that, that book. So it's a book I've written all about uh, the presence of God in your life and how to uh, allow God to be present on your own agenda. I also recorded a few podcast episodes back uh, last year where I read the entirety of that book. So you may have already listened to the book, but this is an opportunity to get a copy of the ebook for yourself. 
Uh, I've had people as well over the last uh, year who have asked how they can support or help out with the podcast. And I always appreciate that. I always appreciate feedback. You can always send me an email as well uh, at matt at mattbruff.com. So feel free to email me anytime. Uh, But if you want to show your support in other ways, in sort of tangible ways, there's two ways that mean the world to me if uh, people go and do them. One is actually really simple. It doesn't cost you a thing. You can just go onto iTunes and search for Spirituality for Ordinary People and go and log in and leave a rating and a review. Reviews are great, but you can also just leave a star rating for the podcast, and it actually helps the podcast become more visible. I go and check those periodically, and it's really encouraging to see when people have left a review and a rating on iTunes. The other way that you can support the podcast is in a more tangible way, and there's been a few people who have done this, which just I'm so thankful for these supporters who have gone on to Patreon. If you go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Matthew Bruff, so my full name, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-B-R-O-U-G-H. If you go to that website, you can actually leave, uh, you can make a monthly contribution to the podcast, and it helps buy better equipment, which I'm still saving up to get better equipment. Uh, and when you hear the audio quality of this interview, you'll you'll know why that's a necessity. Um, so yeah, getting a better microphone and, uh, and also paying for things like podcast hosting fees and all of that stuff uh, to help support the uh, podcast. You can do that by leaving a monthly amount. And there's also things that I will give to you depending on which level of support you're at. So at certain levels, I will send you one of the books that I've written. Um, so you can go and check that out on that website. And anyone who leaves uh, support, I would really appreciate that so much. Uh, I wanted to let you know as well, I know it's a longer intro than usual. I've been trying to do some shorter intros lately, just so that we can get right to the meat of the interview. But I figure the interview is uh, my friend Ashley interviewing me today. So you're going to just hear lots of my voice anyway. Uh, and uh, so I'll just do a longer intro. Uh, yeah, I wanted to let you know that I am going to take a short break from the podcast. I've been going strong for a year and only missed a couple of weeks, really, just when I was sick. Um, and uh, But I decided I'm going to take a break. Part of that is to focus on my writing. I, am, uh, I write uh, some nonfiction books, as I've mentioned here, but I also write fiction uh, for... Uh, kids. I write uh, middle grade fantasy books, and uh, not everyone knows that about me. Uh, hopefully, we're just starting to get around, but uh, I am working on the third book in a series in the Dell Rider series, and uh, it's been it's been pretty tough to get uh, the time to focus on the books. So over the next few weeks, I'm going to devote a little more time to. Uh, redrafting and doing some editing on that third book. There'll be a few weeks where there won't really be anything coming out on the podcast feed, but uh, there's always the back episodes that you can go and find and listen to. And I always hear from people, oh, I'm so behind on your podcast. Well, here's your chance. You can catch up and uh, you've got a few weeks to do that before any new episodes are on their way out. So here we go. We're going to jump right into uh, this interview with uh, me. Conducted by Ashley. Ashley lives in Toronto and uh, used to live in my hometown in Winnipeg. I guess her hometown as well, in a way. Uh, and um, 
we she used to be part of our church and is still really part of our church even though she doesn't live here um and was our music director for a while and uh, we just uh, became really good friends and i asked ashley when she was visiting over christmas if she would be willing to come on the podcast and instead of me asking her questions she would get to ask whatever questions she wants to ask me um, and maybe some of these questions are going to represent what some of the regular listeners of this podcast might want to ask. So, Ashley, welcome. It's super great to have you on today. Hey, thank you. I'm super happy. It's really exciting. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I guess, like, I'm not in charge, so I'm going to hand it over to you, <laughs> and you can... Well, um, yeah, this is great. So um, I think it's a, I think it is a really good opportunity for your listeners. Um, and I you know I got an email this morning that uh, you know this podcast has been around for um, a while now, so it's really exciting. Um, and I think that you know everybody probably I tried to put the hat on also of people that you know were listening to this podcast and might want to know a little bit more about you. So um, so I've, I've mixed in a bunch of different questions and and you know. We'll just go through them, and I think it's it's an exciting opportunity to get to interview the person who interviews other people. Yeah, we'll see what goes. <laughs> okay, so my first question is: um, I I think stories are really important. Um, so I just I was wondering if you could share your story as to um, how you became a pastor. Wow, yeah, that's a that's a good uh, that's a long story actually. <laughs> uh, there we go. The whole podcast is done. Um, <laughs> No, uh, well, I grew up in the church, so, um, and I always went to church as a kid and uh, in my teenage years. I got really involved in youth ministry, uh, in leadership in youth ministry when I was about 18 years old, so kind of working with younger youth at first, and then, um, so just was very involved in that, and, um, but after, like when, when I was in high school, when I graduated, uh, I went into computer science in university and um, just uh, basically started um, doing really poorly in computer science in my, in my studies. <laughs> and mostly that was because I was skipping classes uh, and uh, in order to play cards. So Cards? Like uh, what kind yeah. of cards? Like just card like, games? Like bridge mostly. So I would get to school and then I would play bridge for most of the day with friends and most of them would attend classes, but there were two, you know, one or two of us who wouldn't really bother attending classes and would just play bridge all day. So I didn't really treat my undergrad degree particularly seriously, at least at first. Um, But on the side of being really involved in, uh, or really involved in bridge, I guess. I was really involved with church and doing this youth ministry stuff. And that was what was giving me just tons of life. And I was just really enjoying it. And I just hated school. Like I didn't enjoy, I liked things about computers and liked computer science at first, but I just, I just started hating it. Um, which is really probably the root of why I wasn't going to class at Mm-hmm. There was no accountability in university like there was in right. high school. Yeah. You're just sort of left on your own. So I just thought, well, I don't need to go. Nobody notices. Classes were like 300 people. So yeah, doesn't make. So I, I basically was not doing well in school. And just, so that sort of led me to think about, well, what am I doing? Like, if I don't want to actually go to these classes, then why am I bothering? Like, is this really what I should be doing? So I guess some of those questions just started happening naturally, happening naturally. Um, and then just some series of conversations, like it first started with, um, 
a retired minister in my congregation, uh, Dr. Marnock. Um, and he, I, we hadn't really had a lot of conversations, but he kind of stopped me one day after church at coffee hour. And my, my mom was there as well. And uh, he said, he just kind of out of the blue just said, Matthew, have you ever considered uh, going into ministry, becoming a minister? And my mom answered before I could. And she just said, uh, he's a little too young to think about that right now. And he stopped and said, I think we should let God decide whether he's old enough. (laughs) How old were you at the time? I think I was maybe like 19 or 20. Mm. Okay. So this was kind of just in the middle of like first or second year university. Mm -hmm. So I was pretty young. Yeah. Like that's pretty young. Yeah. Um, And so that just sort of stuck with me and that got the ball rolling, I guess, just having that seed planted um, in me that maybe, maybe this is something that I might do. Um, And then for the most part, though, I just kind of resisted that. Like I just, as I was not doing well in school, I just started looking at other options. Like I knew I was a good student. So I was looking at like, could I go into law? Um, I even looked at, uh, I looked at teaching. I even looked at uh, going into theater or film. (laughs) So, I mean, actually, when you, when you think about all those things, like in some ways, those actually fit in some ways with ministry. So um, there's a lot of process involved, which is kind of law kind of stuff. Um, there's writing involved. There's speaking on stage involved. So it's kind of in a weird way. It's a combination of those. There's teaching. So anyway, that's, that's part of the story, too. Uh, eventually, I, you know, I started... I really did get a, a distinct call. There was a particular uh, Good Friday service that I was that I was in in my home congregation, and you know, Good Friday services are clearly about Jesus and the crucifixion. But for some reason, in the middle of the sermon, I heard from God, uh, like almost audibly. Like I don't, I, I, I don't really hear from God audibly, but this just felt like an exact sentence just coming into my mind that I knew was from God, but it was a really bizarre sentence. It was get off your butt and go to seminary. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, really? Is this, and I'm looking around in the good Friday service thinking, is this really what I'm hearing? And again, I was right around maybe 20, 21, something like that. Um, probably 20. And, uh, and so for after that, I just, you know, that stuck with me like the day after and the week after. And I just thought, Oh my goodness, I think that's what I'm supposed to do. Like God has actually told me to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I worried about that for a really long time. I started, uh, I went to a youth conference and, and talked to the speaker at the conference who was a minister. I didn't know him very well. And I just said to him, like, I don't know, I think I might be called to be a minister, but I don't know if I can do this for my entire life. Like, I don't know if I can do this for the rest of my life. And he said to me, you know, you can only know what you're called to do today. You can't know what you're called to do 10 years from now. So maybe you should act on what you believe you're called to do right now. Wow. I think that's really powerful. Really powerful. Yeah. So that really stuck with me. And at that point, that's when I just started looking at like, what options do I have for seminary and really believing and understanding this is what God's called me to do for now. And, you know, maybe there's something else that's coming in the future. And until I hear something different from God, I'm going to go to seminary. I'm going to pursue becoming a pastor. And, and that's, that's what I did. 
So it was definitely a real call, but there was a, a whole set of circumstances that sort of led to hearing it as well. So can I ask you, before that that conversation with that leader at the conference, were you more of a long, like had you had a sort of a long-term vision for what your career or life would would kind of look like? And then did you have to change that when he said, no, 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 just, just take it day by day, your journey may change? Uh no, I don't. I don't think I really did at that point because I think I. I think things had already been turned upside down a little bit. Like I think part of it, part of the whole thing was I really liked computer science. I thought I was going to go and get a job like as a computer programmer somewhere, and I didn't. But I didn't really understand what that would look like. I don't know if anybody knew what that would look like. Like this is like the, this is like the mid to late nineties, so. Like what people were really worried about is, oh my goodness, all the computers are going to explode yeah. in the yeah. year 2000. Yeah. And, um, and uh, so, <laughs> so my, what I think part of it actually was that my vision of what my work and vocational life was going to be like was I'm going to be sitting in a room with a whole bunch of computer programmers trying to solve the Y2K problem. Mm-hmm. And wow, that sounds horrible. <laughs> like, like I just had this vision. Like I guess the vision I I don't know what vision I had originally. I think I was just good at it and I thought that's what I'm gonna do. And but then the vision that came to me was, oh, this is gonna be terrible. I'm gonna be sitting on a on a machine all day and just uh not really having any people interaction. I mean the reality is is had I pursued computer science, uh, you know, that and that career path, I, I probably wouldn't have been sitting like in this giant room of programmers for my entire career, I'm sure it would have done something else. Um, and the way that that industry has moved and I followed that kind of is just to see, Oh, there's, there's so many opportunities for connection with people. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of funny that I kind of shifted my, my vision partly because I just thought, Oh, I think I should be doing stuff with people. <laughs> so. Right. As I was sitting, what you thought in front of a computer screen. Right now, I now I still sit in front of a computer screen a lot of the day, but you know, I'm doing things like right now. I'm sitting in front of a computer screen talking to a person. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. Envisioned that in the 1990s. <laughs> so, so you go to seminary, and then you do the the work that needs yep. to be done in order for you to get your degree, and then what happens once once you graduate? Yeah. So, I mean. I'm in the Presbyterian church. Um, so like most denominations, uh, and churches kind of do things a little bit differently than one another. So, um, for us, we're free to kind of pursue, uh, a call to a particular congregation kind of anywhere we want in the denominations so of the Presbyterian church in Canada. Uh, and I, I maybe selfishly wanted to come back home. So, uh, I grew up in Winnipeg, went to seminary in Vancouver, spent five years there, and then looked at that, you know, there were there were a couple of opportunities available in Manitoba. And so I really only just put my name in uh, at, to interview at, at one of those churches and ended up being called as the, the minister for that church. So I came back to Selkirk, Manitoba. That was a great church. Um, loved the people there. Uh, I learned a lot. You know, they were very patient with me as a new new grad. Um, I didn't stay there too long, um, just to, just under three years, I think. And um, 
and then again received a, a I think a true call. I I don't know if the Selkirk one. I think part of it was just I knew I wanted to go home, and my wife Cheryl is from Winnipeg as well, so we both kind of wanted to go home. And there was a church there, and we prayed about it. You know, God, is this what you want us to do? And we had a sense for this is what God wants us to do, but we really didn't look at a lot of other places. Um, and it was a good experience. But then I think moving from there to to plant a church. So we, we went into church planting after that. That was a real call from God. And I struggled with that because I didn't really want to leave the church in Selkirk. Um, but it was pretty clear to me that that was something God wanted us to do. Um, that's a whole other story too. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel like I've, I've asked the biggest question first. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said. It's the whole podcast, Ashley. <laughs> Well, I think that's great. I think that it's, um, you know, uh, in, in my own work in Toronto, a, a lot of it is, is youth asking questions about, you know, what is the next step? How did you know? How do you, how do you make those kinds of decisions? So I think it's really important to hear the paths of other people and, and, and you know, how they've decided to, to do what they've done. And I think, you know, your last answer about, um, you know, moving from Selkirk back to Winnipeg wasn't necessarily an easy uh, choice and maybe wasn't something that was the most comfortable out of all the choices that you had, but it was something that you thought you needed to, to pursue and you did and, um, and has opened up a whole new realm of possibilities and opportunities for you. Yeah. You've been there. yeah I think too, that um, in, in every kind of shift that I've made, say whether it's in career or just kind of personal life, part of it has been just taking a step to, to do something so even with shifting from church planting, it wasn't those, you know, one day I'm just going about my job doing doing the regular work as, as a pastor in Selkirk. And then one day God suddenly says, oh, you should go plant a church in Winnipeg. There was a whole process of there was a group that was looking at planting a church. I was part of that for a while. They couldn't find anybody to come and do the work as the pastor to actually work on, on it solidly. Um, so we were just kind of doing pre-setup kind of stuff. Um and then they asked me, would you apply? And I said, no. Um, and then six months later, they came back and said, you know, we really can't find anyone. You'd be really good at this. You should think about it. And I said, well, I will think about it. And I got as far as, uh, you know, res- I resigned from the committee. Because <laughs> I can't really be on the committee. <laughs> um, and, but I uh, ended up, you know, kind of saying to myself and to Cheryl, I'm going to go on the interview. I'm going to prepare for the interview, but I'm really going to the interview as part of trying to figure out, is this something that God wants? And it was actually in the interview process that it became clear to me, ah, shoot, this is something I have to do. I I was kind of hoping going in that it would, that I kind of leave there thinking, no, I'm going to stay where I am. That's, that's good. I've explored it. It's, it's shut off, but but it was the total opposite. It was just so confirming of this is where God wanted me to be. But I could have easily just not taken the steps, right? Like I could have, at the beginning, I could have just kept saying no and just saying, no, no, like that's... So I think there's something to taking the opportunities that that are there um, and taking a risk um, when it's there. And sometimes it might be really clear, like in some ways this was clear because there was a committee and they're asking me, please apply. That's that's different than say, uh, I don't know if you're going to ask me about this, but writing books. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started writing my first novel, um, I had no clue why I was writing it. 
Like I just, I mean, I kind of wanted to write a book, I guess, but now I'm finding that there's a real convergence between my writing and podcasting and my ministry at the congregation. And I don't want to leave the church to go and pursue being an author. Like I think all these things are going to all fit together. So I think God was doing something there, but it wasn't like there was no external factor kind of telling me this is what you should do. It was just sort of like almost on a whim. I'm going to try writing a novel. <laughs> <laughs> and um, from there, you've written several and lots of other resource material too. So yeah, I mean, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. And, and fun. Yeah. So, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so um, to lead into my next question, I guess from, from this self reflection, um, which I hope has been kind of fun too. Um, and, and not to be, um, is, you know, what would you give, what advice would you give to other people? Or what do you think some of the most important things that you've learned, um, that you can advise others on about leading a, a, you know, what they, they feel is a purposeful life for, for what, what they should be doing. What are some of the things that you could say is helpful tidbits of information for others? Oh, yeah. Um, that's actually hard because I think some of it depends on sort of where, like it depends a bit on how, how you're wired. Like, even though I said, I didn't really have like, uh, you know, plans for the future. I really wanted to have plans for the future. So <laughs> <laughs> like I'm somebody who always looks ahead to like, what could happen next? What, where could all of this go? Um, what does God want me to do? And, uh, but I have friends who just aren't wired that way at all. Like they're, they don't, they don't really, they, they, they're, they're great at like living in the moment and, you know, they, their job is fine and it gives them like income and they love their family and want to spend some time with family and they're happy going to their job. Like, so it, if you're like, I don't really have great advice for them. Cause it's like, well, just, I don't know, I guess keep living the life that you seem to enjoy like that's great you know um but i think for people wired like me that are kind of i don't know it's maybe a little bit uh restless in the everyday and in the you know in the now i i'm always wanting to see what's next um i think partly the advice is try to find like find find joy in the moment um because i think part of that restlessness is not actually that healthy um so to like I pray regularly for, for joy in my life, because I think there's a bit of a trap of, if you look ahead too much, then, then you can be dissatisfied with, with what you have now. So like yesterday, um, we had a big snowfall in Winnipeg and <laughs> after school, I was outside for like an hour, an hour and a half with my daughter building a snowman and building a big hill and jumping off the hill and stuff like that. And, um, and that was great. So like, you know, if I became a best-selling author or something like that, like, is that really like, that's not better than, than playing in the snow with my daughter. Like I can't get playing in the snow with my daughter anywhere else. Like that's, so that was, I mean, I could have spent that hour and a half writing, uh, you know, editing a book or something like that, or doing something in ministry even, or, you know, um, you know, there's all kinds of needs in the congregation, but, but I think finding joy in the moment is, is really, really important. 
so that's a that's a huge piece of advice but i don't know if that really answers your question about leading no. maybe it does <laughs> no i think it, i think it does because i think that uh, i agree i think that life is all about choices and perspective and and hopefully as we grow we understand what what means more to us in both of those areas um right. so i think that if joy is something that means more to you that it you know if you are purposefully um, spending your time praying about it and uh, and making sure that it's present in your life and that that's yeah. a really good thing i also think kind of just uh, like seeking god and not just seeking god as a means to some end so mm-hmm. um i'm seeking god so that i can feel better now or like a kind of i want joy so i'm going to go to god and try to get it or seeking god for god what do you want me to do I think those are good things to do. Like we should, like I pray for joy. I also pray, God, what do you want me to do? But only using God, I guess, for my own personal satisfaction and gain. I think there's a, I think that's tricky territory. Um, So I do think we should be praying. Like there's multiple ways to pray. Like I think just trying to be in God's presence is important. Um, But at the same time, asking God, what, what do you have in store for me? Or what would you like me to do? Or how do you want me to be? And then really being open and listening to what answer might be there. Like, I think I, I can't remember who I shared this with, but um, we were talking about how sometimes and quite often the answer to the prayer, God, what do you want me to do? Is God saying, I love you. Hmm. <laughs> and God saying, I, I don't actually want you to do anything. Like, that's the whole point is yeah. it's kind of like my daughter asking me, well, what do you want me to do career wise? Yeah, I might have some things that I might not want her to do and some things that I would love for her to try. But in the end, I don't actually care what she does career-wise, right? Like, I want her to be happy. I want her to know that I love her, that I want, I hope she grows up to love me, right? (laughs) Um, And I think that's kind of how God is with us. At the same time, I do think that God sends us out on tasks. So, and actually does give us mission and does give us tasks, like things to do. Um, on behalf of him that usually is going to, I guess, always going to be used for the benefit of other people. So I think if our starting point is like, what do I really want out of life? That's not a great starting point. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and I think like I've read lots of like self-help books and things like that too, that are <laughs> like often about productivity and things like that. And often their starting point is, you know, know what you want or some variation on that. And it's often like, well, you know, I want a million dollars. I want a nice house and I want a, I want a certain kind of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the book is kind of centered around, you know, designing your productivity so that you can get that. Mm-hmm. And I've read those books. I, they're somewhat helpful um, around productivity, but I think their starting point usually is terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I actually think we ought to be praying about what does God have in store for us and maybe what God wants us to do rather than sort of deciding for ourselves what we want. Wow. Well, I think that there's lots of good nuggets of <laughs> So, so speaking of things to do, let's talk about this podcast. Sure. Because I'm interested to know, um, so you, you started writing and you mm-hmm. have some um, amazing books and other resources that you put out. Um, you did, you've done a Facebook live um, session. I'm not sure what to call them series. Uh, as well, and now you've done this podcast. So I'm wondering why? Why did you decide to start a podcast? Um, and you know, what are what are the podcast's most significant markers for success? 
Okay. Uh, I started the I started the podcast. The main reason is because I like podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I like listening to podcasts. So um, yeah, and I guess I'd I'd sort of thought about um, starting one for a while. Actually, like a mutual friend of ours, Jen. And I mm. joked about starting a podcast together. I don't know. Maybe we weren't joking. Like, I don't know. I wasn't joking anyway, but clearly she's not yeah. doing this podcast with me. So. Um, yeah, I, so we would just kind of talk about that and, you know, maybe that, maybe that would be something to do that would be kind of fun. Um, and I guess I, when I started writing, um, I was writing fiction and I had some nonfiction ideas, I guess, mostly based on old sermons. So I'd gone through a whole bunch of old sermons and just kind of pulled out like um, ones that I thought could develop into a book. And so my my first two nonfiction books are really focused around three sermons in each book kind of thing, um, and then just expanded. Um, and so I had some of those ideas and I had gone to a writer's conference, uh, the only writer's conference I've ever been to. And... Um, uh met someone there actually went to a workshop there um by someone named bethany jett she and she's been a guest on my podcast actually um she um she was doing a workshop on uh, doing uh, facebook live videos for authors as just as a way of like letting people know about your book so essentially marketing and I wasn't going to go to that workshop, but it was the end of the week. And I'd met Bethany previously in the week and she was just full of life and was just fun to talk to. And I was tired and I thought, oh, I could go and nap <laughs> <laughs> or uh, maybe I should just go to this workshop because I just had met Bethany and I thought, oh, she was fun to listen to. So I actually wasn't t- too interested in the topic. Um, went there and it was actually a really great workshop. There's very few people there, but um she she'd run it a few times during the week. I think most of the people had gone to the earlier ones. Uh, she made everyone in the workshop do a Facebook Live video there on the spot, and wow. so I just thought, ah, whatever, I'll just do it. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, she kind of talked us through how to do it, and then her and I ended up talking about, you know, how this might be used for, you know, to help people to to benefit people, not just about like marketing, but. Um, so that actually led to me, I was on sabbatical at the time. And for the last month of my sabbatical, I decided I'm going to try and experiment. And I did a live Facebook video every morning um, as I did my morning devotions on the Psalms. So I went through the entire uh, book of Psalms live on Facebook and just kind of read them and read them out loud and then talked about them. And I, th- I think you probably, I think you tuned into some of those. I right? did. Yeah. Um, so, you know, people actually tuned in. I was like, oh, like an hour later. <laughs> yeah. Often people were doing it later. Yeah. Um, but I just thought, wow, people are actually wanting to hear what I have to say <laughs> about the Psalms, just kind of off the cuff. Uh, and just doing that, I think, also built my confidence for, oh, I might have something to say here. And there might be people who would want to hear it. Um, and so I think it was probably about four or five months later where I really started thinking, I don't really want to do daily Facebook live videos. Like that's, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and started shifting towards, well, maybe I could do the podcast that I kind of thought about a long time ago. I just didn't know what it would be about. So then I started thinking and brainstorming some ideas, like what would it be about and kind of came up with the spirituality for 
ordinary people used to be normal people, but now I've changed it to ordinary, um, came up with that idea and just started reaching out to people. Would you come and be a guest on this podcast that I'm, that I'm creating? So that's kind of how it started. And then markers for its success. That's a hilarious question, actually. Um, (laughs) Well, but it's not because I think, I think, you know, when, when you start out with a project, a big part of it is, is the why, right? And the why leads to the, you know, what's, what's the end goal? Is it just pure enjoyment? Is it because you want to have a million followers? Is it, you know, because you want to reach this, this kind of, I I don't know, group of people, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, when I started, I, you know, I actually started thinking I, I'm going to do 12 podcasts, like 12 episodes and then see, because I don't know if I can keep it up every week, um, forever. <laughs> uh, and like, it took maybe five interviews or six interviews. And then I just kind of in my head said, wow, this is so much fun. I'm just going to keep doing this. So it, like, I wasn't necessarily sure what the, what the success marker was starting. Um, and yeah, I would love to have more listeners. That would be great. Like, I think there's a couple of hundred listeners right now. Um, podcast statistics are actually a little hard to track. So um, it's kind of hard to know. But okay, there, there's maybe a couple of hundred. Um, and that's great. Um, and I'll, I'll say more about that in a minute. But now I've kind of joked with some of my guests, uh, usually off air, that um, even if no one was listening, I might I might just lie about having listeners to the guests <laughs> so that they would still come on my podcast because I just love talking to... Like, I love doing the interviews. Like, I love yeah. talking to people. So now, like, my measure of success, I guess, is my own enjoyment of talking to these really fun people. So I think, you know, if that started to get stale for me or something like that, then maybe the podcast wouldn't keep going. Like, that really hasn't happened yet. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, the interviews themselves are just so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's there's a there's a few there's a few people listening, which is nice. Um, but, <laughs> but the interviews themselves and the enjoyment of that has has been the the biggest thing, and that was a surprise in a lot of ways. Um, the other thing too is at that writers conference, there's a couple of things that stuck with me from that. Um, there was another workshop I went to, and the speaker at that workshop was talking about blogging actually, and she was saying, you know, she's she she had a, a decent following uh, at this point, but she said when she first started blogging, she was discouraged because there was like, you know, 20 people and they were almost all related to her who were <laughs> reading her blog. Um, and she said, you know, then a few things started happening. Like this woman at the gym came and talked to her and said, oh, I was reading your blog about Jesus and started this whole conversation. And, you know, the woman was not a Christian or anything like that. She just knew her. And had read her blog and she just kind of said, you know, we would never have started that conversation without my blog because I'm not the kind of person who just jumps in and starts a conversation about God or religion. And, and she wanted to have that conversation after reading something she'd written. Um, and then she made the point of saying, you know, imagine if, say, say you've got like 30 people coming to your blog or 50 people listening to your podcast or something like that, which is a pretty it's not a very big number, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easy to get discouraged by those small numbers online when you read of people having, you know, millions of followers or, right. you know, right. even 10,000 followers or whatever. Um, she said, imagine 40 people showing up to your house every f- 
Tuesday night and banging on your door saying, please lead us in a Bible study. We just want to learn from you. Mm-hmm. You would think, wow, I'm really onto something. This is, this is incredible. And she said, so if you've got like 20 regular blog readers or, you know, 30 regular listeners, that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I see it now as like, in some ways, and I wasn't expecting this, the same thing with writing uh, books and the podcast. It's just opportunities to connect with people and talk about God and talk about the Bible. Those have really increased in the last year. It hasn't been this exponential explosion or anything like that, but just those opportunities have opened up just to have real conversations with people, which is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that was going on in like our small church where we've got, you know, sometimes 50 people in worship, sometimes it's 70 people in worship. If I get, you know, one or two of those people after a sermon coming and saying, Oh, I really want to talk to you about the sermon because it really had a, a big impact on me. And I've got some questions about it. I think, wow, that was a really great day. Mm-hmm. Um, but that actually happens more in some ways with the podcast and with writing books than it does in the church. But in the church, I think if we've got one or two people, we think, oh, huge success. Um, in terms of their faith development and their spiritual development, might not be the numbers, but it's that uh, sort of intangible success that's harder to measure. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Um, so one of the things that I also want to ask, because I know that you have some good tips and answers for this is how you manage your time for all of these millions of projects. Uh, (laughs) I know that you think about that because we've talked about it before. So um, I thought it might be a really good question for others who are wondering about, you know, how to balance work, family, you know, all of these other things um, that you are doing. Right. Uh, It's a good question. I kind of go through some phases of how I, how I would do that. Um, So it sort of depends, but um, I, I know you're asking about balance. I actually, I'm not a huge fan of the word balance actually. Um, because I, I, I think it's too hard to find it. Like I, I think finding balance is really hard to do. Um, and I don't know, I, I heard somebody speak a, a long time ago. Um, they were talking about something called having a centered life. So your life is centered on Christ, centered on God. Um, but if you look at the life of Jesus in particular, his life doesn't seem particularly in balance. No. You know, he's, he's all over the place, um, pulled in all kinds of directions. But he does some key things like finding uh, time to pray alone is a big thing in Jesus' life. So I think that is a huge deal for me, um, is having time alone um, to pray um, or even just to think and like not necessarily actively praying, I guess. Um, so that's, that's a big deal is making, making time for that. Um, and people are gonna ask, well, how do you make time for that? Uh, you, you do that first. Um, <laughs> that I look, I think the way you make time for stuff is those are the things that, that you, that you have as your top priority. So you, you're not, you, you do that before you do the other things. So like first um, in the day. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Um, and I'm saying could be because right now I'm not doing a great job of that. I, I, I do better if I'm, if I do that first thing in the day, because then I know it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just maybe seizing opportunities. Cause I know not everybody is like morning people. Not everyone is a morning person either. So right. um, seizing opportunities where, Oh, I have a free 
uh, oh, what am I going to get done in the next 20 minutes? I can't really start any project. But how many of us who are followers of Jesus think, oh, I've got 20 minutes. I could pray for even 10 of those. Um, and if you're worried about getting lost in that, just set a timer on your phone or something like that. And yeah. away you go. So, um, so I think doing that is really important. Um, I also prioritize my family. Um, so where I might actually seek balance in a way is that I try to limit my number of evening meetings. So evening meetings are a big thing for pastors, especially, um, it might be in other professions, but, um, I could easily have like five evening meetings a week, but I just decide I'm not going to do that. So I aim for two or three evening meetings a week. Um, and then there's some weeks where I have one or zero and that's great. Uh, so I try not to overload on that and to get, try to give that time to my family as, as best I can. Um, so there's an occasional time where there's a, there's a four, four meeting week or, or whatever in the evenings. Um, so that's also a big deal is just to try to say, okay, there's time with God, there's time with family. And those are kind of non-negotiable times. Um, and do, do that first, but then there's all the other stuff. Like how do you get all the other stuff done? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think I'm, I'm also blessed by having uh, a wife and daughter who sleep in. Um, (laughs) So I'm the first to, I'm the, I'm the first to wake up. And so I, I do quite a bit in the, in the morning. Um, and whether that is devotional time or whether that's writing time or whether that's even admin time, I kind of go through phases of what works best. So right now I'm actually, I used to just, that's how I wrote my first novel actually was always in the morning, getting up early and writing and setting a goal of 250 words a day, which often went to over a thousand words in that day. Um, so that's how I got that done was just writing every morning and kind of using that time. Now that was also at a time when my wife wasn't working outside the home. And so I could just get up in the morning and leave and I didn't have to worry about anything. So now my wife has a job, um, a few days a week. And so I have to take Juliet to school, which means I got to get up in the morning and I can't just leave. I, I can work at home a little bit, but I find I'm less productive at home. So what I've done is I've shifted, um, to doing more admin tasks in the morning rather than heavy uh, intellectual writing tasks. Cause I tend to do that better if I'm not at home, if I'm at a coffee shop or if I'm somewhere else. Right. Um, so that creative work, I find it, I do better somewhere else. So I, that's another tip as well. It's kind of knowing yourself. Like I think sometimes people can think, Oh, it doesn't, none of those things, like none of those things matter. And I should just be able to push through and why can't I get this done? Or why is this, why does this thing take me so long? Like I think over time I've just gotten to know, what works for me in terms of getting more things done in less time. So uh, I was really, I've been frustrated lately with revisions for my next novel. Um, So last week uh, I, I usually, I take Friday off as well. So Friday is my Sabbath day. Um, And I just said to Cheryl, I really think I need a writing day. Can I use my, my day off to go and, and write now that, you know, some people might say, well, that's still working now. So that's not really a, a good 
use of Sabbath. But what I ended up doing was I ended up going to a local retreat center and I spent the day there. I actually came home for lunch and Juliet was home for lunch as well from school. So I spent a bit of time at lunch with my family and went back to the retreat center and just did revisions and revised like five chapters in one day. Um, so booking off a block of time, that was a big, that was a big thing. Um, so that's, I guess, a tip is knowing your environment and whether that contributes. I think your environment and where you are is, makes a big difference to how productive you are and, and what you're able to get done. Uh, and then um, when I'm really not doing very well, I will um, use a technique that is, that is uh, really weird that it works, um, but it does. And people can look it up. It's called the Pomodoro technique. Um, and Pomodoro means tomato, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a, it's a, it's a timer. Okay. A Pomodoro in the, in the productivity world is usually a 25 minute timer. And the idea is that you actually can't focus on something forever. So if you're trying to work on say a, a long report, um, when it's not just a series of tasks, when you're trying to focus on one thing, uh, set, you set a timer for 25 minutes and then you have a five minute break timer and you don't do anything like the, the, the hard thing is to resist like going on email or, or on your phone or something like that in the five minute break, you really need to not do that because you'll just get distracted and your brain is still that active. You need, you need the rest. So um, usually what I'll do is I will set a 25 minute timer um, and there's apps that are Pomodoro apps that will do all this for you. Uh, but um, 25 minute timer and then you work hard for those 25 minutes and then the five minutes kicks in and you're probably not done whatever it is you were working on. So, but you take your five minute break and then when the five minute breaks done, you go back to your work for another 25 minutes. And you, if you, you can do a whole day like this and you do blocks of time. So you do like four Pomodoros in a row, which would be two hours. Right. Um, and then it's time for a longer break, like a half hour break. Um, and it actually makes you more productive. Because if you are trying to do a whole bunch of things and in like, oh, I've got two hours and I got to get all this done. If you don't take breaks, you're actually going to be less productive than if you do. So uh, having having a structure to that is really important too. So also having a short amount of time, like 25 minutes, also helps you because there's something weird about our psychology that, especially if you can see the time, Cause you can see, Oh my goodness, I only have three minutes left until my break. And you know, you're going to stick to it. You'll actually rush and finish, try to finish what you're doing so that it's at a more natural break. So you actually end up getting more done hmm. in the 25 minutes. So as the, as the clock's running out, I'm always like, Oh, <laughs> right. Okay. Finish this paragraph. I'm not going to remember where I am, even though you can remember where you are, but it's just this weird psychological thing. So there are little tricks and I've just kind of like, I enjoyed learning about those things and studying that stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, very cool. I, I just have to remember to implement them because sometimes I just sort of forget. And, yeah. <laughs> and I think, why am I getting nothing done these last few days? Right, I'm not actually following any of the tips. Or why am I always making snowmen outside? Right. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and I, yeah. I didn't set the timer with that. Okay, Julia, we have 25 <laughs> minutes to make the first ball of the snowman. No. So um, something that I know that you ask all of your guests which I'm going to ask you is about your spiritual practice, um, which you talked a little bit about, but if you can expand on, you know, what that looks like for you either now or in general um, and, you know, maybe some tips um, from 
either all of the people that you've interviewed or, or things that you've observed for how others can really start that spiritual practice of their own? Yeah, I I think um, like something that I've been really uh, comforted by, I guess, by listening to the guests over the last year, really, um, is that uh, is that it's okay to have grace with yourself. Um, I knew this before, but it was nice to hear other people say that their spiritual practices are sometimes all over the map. Um, and so I'm somewhat sporadic in what I do. There are certain anchor things that I'll go back to when I think, oh, my spiritual life is not going well. And that would be for me reading the Psalms. Um, that that's what I'll go back to if, if I'm really in a rut, um, just to have an anchor to get, to get back. Um, but I don't, I don't stick to, you know, uh, reading the Psalms every, every day. Um, that isn't, that isn't what I do. Um, so it'll look different, um, depending on the season and even depending on the day for me. So I did, I prayed the hours, uh, during Advent, I think last year. Um, so that's, um, uh, and I found an app for it, which was actually really great. Um, so I did that and that was, that was good. And that's mostly scripture reading really, um, uh, so reading the Bible, obviously, I mean, in the, in a general sense is probably one of the biggest things for me and to not just do that as part of sermon preparation, um, but to read for my own devotional benefit. Um, but then sometimes I'm surprised in sermon preparation too. Um, where it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, this is so great. Um, uh, yeah. So in, anyway, reading the Bible is really important in whatever form that is and to be okay with reading really small chunks actually well and that's what i was going to ask for somebody you know who goes to maybe read the bible it's a pretty big book yeah so how how would you start that if you want to make that a part of your spiritual practice yeah um again there's lots of ways to do that um so it sort of depends on the kind of person you are some people love the challenge of i'm going to read the bible in a year mm-hmm. and so there if you want to do something like that then go to get the Bible app, go to uversion.com. Um, and there's all kinds of Bible reading plans that you can do in the year, or you can do like certain plans that are like, uh, read the gospels in a week or whatever it is, like all these timed sort of plans. And I've done that. I, it's good. It's beneficial. Um, I haven't done that in in quite a while. Um, so that's not really the way I engage with it anymore. So I might just pick a book of the Bible and just decide I'm going to read this book today. Or if it's a longer book, I'm just going to read this book like I would read any other book that I would choose to read. It's going to seem sort of obvious, right? Like, <laughs> it does when you say it. In, but... Instead of thinking of the Bible as a book, it's like thinking of, thinking of the Bible like a library, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got a whole bunch of books that you can choose from. So which book are you going to choose to read? And then you read that book and you read that book every day until you're done that book. And then you pick a new one. And it's actually easier because instead of having like 8 million books or whatever it is on Amazon to try to figure out which one should I read, you only have like 66 books to choose from. <laughs> so it's a lot easier to pick a book out of the Bible because there's not very many of them. All bound together. <laughs> yeah. Right there. Very convenient. Um, and really like very accessible, right? So it's super right. easy to get the Bible. So it's strange that we don't, that we don't often read it. Um, yeah. Well, I think, I think to a lot of people, it's, I mean, it is overwhelming. It is, you know, the 
it's a lot to take in sometimes. So breaking and, it down. And it can be hard to understand. Like I think like I'm a fan of a plain of a plain reading of the Bible, like just reading it and kind of going, okay, it's it means what it says. But that doesn't always work. Like right now we're uh, at church, we're, we're focusing on the gospel of John. And I think we'll be just wrapping up by the time this episode comes out. But, um, but John is not like, you can read that book and, and for sure get stuff out of it. But there's a lot going on in John that, that without really studying and learning and then probably having conversations with other people in a Bible study or, you know, hearing sermons about it, it you're, you're, you're only going to scratch the surface. Like there's so much in that book. And there's so much in all the books, but I find that John in particular, if often John is recommended to to people who are new Christians, which in some ways is a good idea because it's really a theological book and um, there's amazing truth in it. Um, But it's, it's, it's almost really, it's almost a great book for new Christians and people who want to do a really in-depth study and sort of the in-between people. It's it's almost a frustrating book. It's like, what is Jesus talking about? I don't understand. Um, but uh, like, I, I really love Mark as well. Like, that's something a book that I'll recommend to to people that are struggling with like, oh, I'm having trouble reading the Bible because Mark is short, and um, so you can finish fairly quickly. Um, but also, even the individual stories are shorter generally in Mark than they are in the other Gospels. So. Um, I think often going to a gospel is a good idea. It's a story. It's easier to read. Um, and if if you're like if you're having a tough time reading the Bible, it might not be a great idea to go to Leviticus or Joshua, right? Like it's really okay to go to some easier books. Yeah, I, I think that's a good idea. Like unless you just love reading law, like. You know. Well, you may find that person may be listening to your podcast, and that's wonderful. They could so. be. Like, I'm not saying anything bad about Leviticus. I think it's actually a beautiful book, and I really i like I like Joshua, but it's it's a very difficult book as well. So, yeah. you know, I think it's okay to go. Like, that's why I said my anchor is going back to the Psalms because the Psalms I see as they express uh, the depth of human emotion. Mm-hmm. So there's there's the joy and there's the real deep sorrow that's there, and it's all it's it's. The Psalms I find that are permission giving for it's okay for you to feel this way and it's okay for you to pray this way. Mm-hmm. There's tons of Psalms that are just crying out to God. Why have you forsaken us? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, have you ever felt that way? I know I've felt that way. So the Psalms give you permission to say, you know, it's okay to feel that way and it's okay to let it out. So that's why I usually go back to those. So some lighter hearted questions. Um, <laughs> I know that you love vacations, so I want to know, why do you love vacations so much? And are you planning your next one now? Because I know that you just came back from a vacation, too. Yeah. Uh, I love vacation probably because I was raised uh, going on trips. Um, My family really, like, prioritized, like, my mom and dad, I think, prioritized uh, going on vacation and going away to places over other stuff. So... Um, you know, we lived in a small house. We had used cars most of the time. Uh, we didn't have a lot of stuff. Um, but they took us places. Um, mostly when we were really young, that was road trips, which I love. I still love road trips. Like I, I really love driving. Um, and I think it's just from, 
from childhood. Like we drove from Winnipeg to Vancouver a number of times and uh, um, loved that. And then even as a teenager, some of my favorite vacations were um, were driving, like uh, my mom and dad and I drove down to Arizona. And my dad had a business trip down there and just took us along. My sisters were already in university, so I got to go. I got some, if they're listening, it's going to be funny. I got some <laughs> special trips as the baby in the family that... <laughs> The girls, once they were in university, didn't get to experience. Like I got to go to Disney Aww. World with my mom and dad without my sisters. Oh, how my... did that happen? Yeah. So that's also still a favorite place to go is Disney World. And, you know, some of the people listening now can say, oh, I'm never listening to this podcast again. I can't to <laughs> um, so that's, uh, so I think part of it was, um, was being raised to enjoy vacation and seeing places and just having those experiences as a kid. And then I guess seeing the value of that, we had one like really major vacation uh, where we went to England and also uh, to Paris as part of that. It was the only other place in Europe that we went outside of uh, England, Scotland and Wales. Um, And uh, I remember I was 13 years old and my social studies teacher gave me an assignment um, that I still remember where I had to, everywhere we went, I had to take note of historical buildings and, um, and then keep a, a journal and then, and then make it into a project when I got back, wow. uh, um, of like his, uh, you know, historical places, you know, what kind of architecture did it have? When was it built? What significance did the site have and all that kind of stuff. So I would take pictures and, you know, with film camera <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, had the pictures and, and the notes, uh, along with that. And I took that pretty seriously. Like I had a notebook with me wherever I went, it was kind of geek. Um, but I loved it. Like, and I learned so much. Right. So I think that sort of helps solidify some of that thing, um, of going on trips. And then, you know, my wife, Cheryl, she loves traveling as well. So that just kind of fit for us. Um, and yes, we have, we did just get back from a wonderful vacation in Hawaii. These are really family vacations. So we went with Cheryl's side of the family to Hawaii and been planning that for a long time. Um, And it just so happens we are also planning a vacation with my side of the family in the same year. So we've been saving our pennies. (laughs) And we are, my family loves Disney world. So we're going back to Disney world this uh, summer. So it's a bit crazy to do both of those in one year, but what, what time is this for number of times you've gone to Disney World? And is it always oh, Disney World? Sound bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, almost always. My, Cheryl and I drove down the West Coast when we lived in Vancouver. So we drove down the West Coast. So, so we've been to Disneyland as well, the, the two of us. Um, Juliet, has. this will be her second time going. Um, and then I think Cheryl and I have been together uh, two other times, maybe. And then I went when I was a kid and she went when she was a kid. So this might be five. <laughs> but I, well, I mean, you love it. <laughs> the, and the last time, the last time we were there, we met this guy who has been to Disney. He goes like four times a year and we just figured, oh, you live in Florida. No, he lived in like New York somewhere. And he's down there and he's like, yeah, if there's something new, I want to come check it out and bring our family down. I'm like, How is this even possible? <laughs> and, anyway, I think we go a lot, but then you meet people who are like, it's just yearly thing for them. And, yeah. yeah. I don't know. We find a way to go. And again, that's sort of about priority priorities. Like we've got tons of things that we need to repair around our house, but mm-hmm. oh, well. <laughs> oh, well, oh well, we're, we're vacationing. No big deal. <laughs> we just won't do it. We just won't fix those things. So, yeah. Great. Well, 
Well, I have one more question, and it's a fun one too. It's about Star Wars. I know how it's Star Wars, right? Not Star Trek, but you're a fan of. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I haven't ever seen a movie, but maybe you can convince me and other listeners that. Um, I know it's know. it's it's a small miracle that I asked you to do this. Um, <laughs> be on the podcast and interview me when you have not seen star wars i know i know if there's any <laughs> listeners out there who've not seen star wars you should just stop listening and go <laughs> watch those movies um yeah again like i feel like man you're this is almost like a counseling session because i keep going back to my childhood. uh yeah like i don't know i'm i'm 42 so you know that's kind of a good age to like star wars um, the first movie, like episode four of Star Wars, came out in 1977. So I was two years old. Um, and uh, you know, I, my first memory of going to a movie was actually the double feature of Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. Um, of actually going to the the theater, seeing both of them in the theater at the same time. So I, you know, that's it's just sort of that, I guess. Um childhood thing why why i love the movies so much but at the same time like that probably isn't going to convince anybody to go including you um this is actually i actually talk about this when i talk to people about my fiction writing like i sometimes go and do school visits um to talk about my books because i write for for kids i write for like ages like kind of grade four and up ages eight Mm -hmm. nine and up um and they're fantasy books. And Star Wars is actually kind of, some people say it's science fiction, but in a lot of ways it's, it's a fantasy kind of genre. Um, it's just fantasy set in space, mm-hmm. um, but has a lot of the same elements as fa- of fantasy books. Um, and uh, yeah, so I talk about the influence of Star Wars on me as a kid and why I think Star Wars is such a powerful story, actually. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of serious about it. <laughs> <laughs> just, not just a lot of fun i think they're really fun movies too and i'm a fan of almost all of the movies i'm not a huge fan of the the prequels episode one two and three um but i like the new ones i think they're i think they're fun and entertaining um but what i love love about them is that they are adventure stories first and foremost like it's not really about a spectacle on the screen. Like I think when the first Star Wars movies came out, people were just blown away. Wow. I can't even believe what I'm seeing. But the, I think the reason they've done so well is not because, Oh, they have these amazing special effects. Like they've done really well because they're really great stories. Um, and they're really stories that center around family. So there's like the Skywalker family that is throughout it. So I really like that. Um, and there's sort of a redemptive element in the story. Uh, around that family but then it's also about friendship like it's basically about friends going on an adventure together and a struggle between good and evil um and a real basic way but it's just done in such a great way like just this i guess it's this spirit of adventure that i like so i've like my books reflect that like i didn't think of that purposely when i wrote the first del rider and the crystal seed book but i think a lot of that influence has come from there is just this fun adventure story that is this group of friends fighting against darkness and um but there's also this family story that's going on that is more the family story is sort of the overarching story than the friendship story so the friendship holds those movies together like the 
the Star Wars, each Star Wars movie is, is sort of this band of friends. Um, but the family story is really the arc of the whole thing. Um, so I, I, I kind of like that. Yeah. Well, I feel like this interview has come full circle to where we began with stories. <laughs> That's true, actually. Kind of amazing. Yeah. yeah well, then. well, then. But we could do an entire podcast on Star Wars, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that'll be something for the future. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This was so much fun, Ashley. Yeah. Thank you for this. No, thank you. It's great to hear all you have to say. And I hope that your podcast listeners enjoy it as much as I have. Yeah, I, I hope so, too. This was This was fun for me. I really enjoyed it. So... Um, and I, like, I didn't, we, it feels weird, um, being asked questions by you and me not actually asking anything about you. Like people are just here, here's Ashley Boychuk, everyone. And I've said nothing about her. <laughs> That's okay. She's just, she's the interviewer today. Toronto. Can you just <laughs> tell people really quickly, like what you do in Toronto? I think that would be nice. Sure. Sure. So I, um, I am a musician. I am, I sing opera. Uh, so I moved to Toronto a couple years ago to pursue that. Um, and so I am in a couple of different forms. I sing at an Anglican church um, in Toronto. And um, my my main, the thing that takes up the most of my time is I work for um, the Coalition of Music Education in Canada. And it's this amazing non-for-profit organization that advocates for music in schools. So if anybody has ever participated in Music Monday, that's our signature program. And um and this year it's happening uh, on May 7th, and I'm actually going to be in Winnipeg celebrating it um, because Manitoba does a great job of supporting the arts in schools. So so that's what I do. And yeah, living in this busy the city that has a few more people than, than Winnipeg does um, <laughs> and is often very busy. But yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing. That's very cool. Thanks, Ashley. I really enjoyed this. This was so great. Yay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening today. Don't forget, you can head over to spiritualityfororordinarypeople.com and there you can get the ebook of Let God Be Present. You can also listen to any of the previous episodes of this podcast. And if you want to go over to iTunes and leave a review for this podcast, that would mean so much to me. Again, thank you for listening and take care.